So, those of you who are regulars here, you know that we're doing a series on heaven. And we began it last week. And if you've got the sermon card, you'll see that uh, last week we said, where did Jesus go? Did we? Something like that. Where did Jesus go? And we looked at the ascension. When, when Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared to various disciples and talked to them and, and so on. And we had all the stuff uh, that we talk about with Thomas and doubting Thomas and Peter and all the reconciliation going on amongst them all. Imagine, they'd all run and now they're all back together again. The reconciliation of, must have been enormous and joyful as uh, they look forward to a great future. And then Jesus leaves them. Oh! But of course we know the story, don't we? That the Spirit was sent and everybody got blessed out of their socks. And today we're looking at, where is Jesus now? Where is he now, today, on Sunday, the 15th of April, 2018? Where's Jesus? Where is he gone? Where is he? And subsidiary to that, we'll be looking at, where do we go? If you die today, where will you go? Okay, that's exciting, isn't it? Oh, crumbs. <laughs> what I want to remind you about, in terms of introduction, is this. There are some definitions that you should really get right into you because they are so important for a right understanding of what the Bible teaches about heaven. And we mentioned some of this last week. <coughs> We're so confused because this English word heaven is used for so many different concepts of heaven that are different, um, but we use the same word, and so it gets very confusing. So what's the easiest way to define heaven? Well, to define heaven easiest, you just say, Heaven is where God is. Okay? Heaven is where God is. And actually, through the Bible and through time and to the end of time, where heaven is and what sort of heaven it is changes. See, this is why it gets very confusing, because... The Bible describes something like this as heaven, something like that as heaven, and something like that as heaven. But the commonality between them all is God is there. Okay? So heaven is where God is. The second de definition is heaven and earth and its heavens are different places. Heaven and earth are in different dimensions. God cannot be seen. You've probably noticed that. Have you? And uh, so he, because he cannot be seen, there are a lot of people who say he doesn't exist. But that's because they haven't understood that he could exist in other dimensions 
other than ours. Apparently, scientists think there are, nine, there are possibly nine or ten dimensions. I can't get my head around this, so don't worry about it, okay? Just, just understand that if you can't see it, it could possibly be there anyway, because it's in a different dimension. God lives in a different dimension where there is glory and amazing scenes that are described in the Bible, seraphim and cherubim and all those bits and pieces, angels and things. They're, they are there with God in what we loosely call heaven. Okay. Back to John, chapter 14, which is our starting point for today. Do you remember we looked at this before Easter, this passage? And uh, we're looking at it again just to remind you as a jumping-off point for what I'm going to go into. And what I'm going to go into is where is Jesus now? Where do we go when we die? And what are we waiting for? Okay? Where is Jesus now? Where do we go when we die? And what are we waiting for? So John 14, verse 1 let not your hearts be troubled. Isn't that great? Don't you think? Isn't, isn't Jesus wonderful? He looks at these guys and he sees them all looking, oh, oh, I don't know what's going on. Oh, oh. And he looks at them and his heart goes out to them and says, don't be worried. Don't be troubled. Believe in God. Can't see. Believe also in me. Can see. And as Sam so eloquently put it a few minutes ago, he's God. Jesus is God. God entered into our dimensions in Jesus Christ. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house... Are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, <laughs> I love Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Well, where was he going? Where was Jesus going? You know where he was going, don't you? He was going to be with God, the Father, which we've defined as heaven. And he's going to be with God the Father. And so Thomas asks this question, which shows that he hasn't understood what Jesus has just said to him. And so he's going to go to God the Father. And Jesus says to him, but you do know the way. You know the way to God the Father, don't you? Because he's just said it in verse 1, believe in God, believe also in me. If you believe in me, it leads you to the Father. And so he goes on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
No one can make that transition into the Father's presence except through Jesus Christ who's gone before us into the presence of the Father. He's ascended and glorified in the presence of God the Father. So where is he today? Well, he's with God the Father still. He hasn't popped back to check whether he turned the oven off or anything like that. He is still there in glory with God the Father. He is in what he called home. He's gone home. And home is where God is. And where God is, what we call heaven. So, Father's house and home. Of course, in this passage, Jesus Jesus is also uh, hinting that when the second coming happens, when he comes again, he will take people to be with him, with the Father, which is heaven. But it'll be a different place to the place called heaven now. Okay? We'll get on to that in a few weeks' time. What heaven looks like after the judgment day. So, this, this, uh, this home, in my father's house and many rooms, this home, this heaven, my father's house, where he is now, is not the end of the story. Because the end of the story is a different place where heaven is. Heaven moves. Heaven moves from where God is now to where God will be. I'm jumping ahead here. To where God will be after Judgment Day. Heaven moves. It's not in the same place. So you could call this uh, verse 2 place, where the Father lives, his abode, his, his house with many rooms. You could call it temporary, if you like. It's a sort of travel lodge. En route to the final destination. <laughs> it could be like that. You could think of it like that. This is a... This is a place where God is now, but it's not the final destination of everything. Okay? It's a travel lodge with many, many rooms. In fact, so many rooms, it could take you ages to get around it all because there are millions of people already in it. This heaven, this place where God is. Hebrews 8 verse 1. It says, we have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. 1 Peter 3.22, Jesus Christ has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers having been subjected to him. Now on the cross... When he's on the cross and there's two thieves, one on his left and one on his right, one of them says to Jesus, 
Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And you can hear the Jewish thinking going on in this guy's head that he's expecting Jesus in some way or another to be the king of a kingdom that this thief would love to join and be part of. And he's thinking future. And he's thinking somewhere down the line, this one next to me will come in glory. Some point, this one dying here will be the Messiah. That's going on in his head, I think. And he's saying, and I want to be part of that. And Jesus says to him, these words that have rung down through the centuries, Jesus says to him, today you will be with me. Where? In paradise. Oh, no. Now we're confused again. Paradise. I thought we were talking about heaven. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Do you know one of the words for Eden can be translated into English as paradise? Eden was a paradise. And of course, all the romantic painters paint it like that. You know, this imaginary place, Eden, the paradise of God. It's also a term for a garden. A paradise can be a walled garden that's really lovely and pleasant and, you know, away from all the dust and heat of the day. You can be in this walled garden with trees and things and be in paradise. And so now English usage has become a word we talk about for somewhere that's really, really lovely and seems to be interchangeable with heaven. I'm in paradise. I'm in heaven. I just love this 60s song. I'm in heaven when I see you smile. Smile for me. My Diane. Okay. You've all forgotten that one. Most of you never knew it. <laughs> Smile for me, my Diane. I'm in heaven. So this has come into the English language and English usage in this way. I can't think of a song about paradise. Can you? No. So paradise... Is where Jesus is now. Dom's got a song. Dom's got a song. <laughs> oh, would you want to sing it now? <laughs> no. Okay. Oh. Good. Did you hear that, guys? Yep. Paradise, paradise. Uh, so, Jesus is defining where he's going as paradise. So he's defining heaven in its form it's in now, not in the form it will be, but in the form it is in now, where God dwells, Jesus is defining as paradise. Okay. 
So Jesus is saying, I'm going to paradise and you'll be with me to the thief. Isn't that lovely? All these apostles still alive. There's some thief in paradise. Don't you think that's great? The church age is just about to begin. Jesus has commissioned the disciples and said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then a few minutes later, he's saying, today you will be with me in paradise. And the thief is the number one man in there in the church age. Wow. (laughs) Isn't that great? So where do we go when we die? The thief went to paradise. Where do we go when we die? Well, we go to be with Jesus, don't we? Where's Jesus? He's in heaven, isn't he? So when we die, we go to be with God, okay? Which we call heaven. So we go to be with God and Jesus at his right hand. And all these amazing pictures in the Bible of where he is that are extraordinary visions that some prophets had and you can read in Revelation some exciting things about where God dwells now. So I want just to remind you of some things that are in the Bible and hint at what it's like, okay? This heaven currently, heaven. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, Paul says to the Corinthians, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So he's saying, he's saying, you know, when, we, when we're facing difficulties when we're facing all the problems of church life that we're trying to deal with across the across the churches he was responsible for Paul is saying hey I'm of good courage because I'm walking by faith because I can't see God why can't he see God because you're at home in the body okay so the next thing says yes He says, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And so he's making this contrast. Yes, I'm of good courage. I can't see God. I'm in the body. Yes, I'm of good courage. And actually, I'd rather not be in this body. I'd rather be away from this body, but with the Lord. Because when we die our bodies decay, don't they? You could go to to a wood near Swanley, Kent and hunt for my dad's ashes. I think you'd have a difficult time finding them because I spread them there quite a few years ago now. Just the ashes of his body. He is not there. Where is he? He's in 
heaven, where God is. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For me to live is Christ. In other words, he's saying, for me living is all about Christ living in me. For me to live is Christ. Through the Spirit, Christ lives in me. Okay? To die is gain. Do you think like that? See, Paul's saying, hey, I'm enjoying life. I'm enjoying life because I'm living in the Spirit. I'm living with Jesus. I'm, I'm through the Spirit. I'm enjoying life as a Christian. I'm enjoying what God's called me to do. I'm enjoying life. Hey, yes, I'm of good courage. I'm enjoying this. It's all great, great, great. And I'd rather not be here because where Jesus is is better still. <laughs> to be with Jesus in this glorious place where God is, is better still, even than that. And so that's what he says. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labour for me. In other words, I'm going to enjoy it. What God calls me to do, if I stay living, what God calls me to do will be enjoyable. You know that, don't you? You know Christians are supposed to enjoy life. They're supposed to smile a lot. It's difficult for me. And, um, yes, classics. Sam's birthday party. We walked into this pub uh, for Sam's birthday party and we walked to the, to the room where everyone was gathering and Jackie looked at me and said, Smile! I was happy inside at the time. I had no problem with anything. I was looking forward to it and looking forward to enjoying it, you know, and meeting people and having fun and everything. Just didn't touch my face. Anyway, so here we are, Paul saying, I'm enjoying life. If God calls me to this, it'll be fruitful labour. Yet, which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. Do you ever think of death like that? Paul is, what Paul is saying is, hang on a minute, it's going to be great if I live, but if I die, it's going to be greater. Do you ever think like that? In the early days in Russia, when we uh, were visiting churches in the 1990s, and there was quite a lot of controversy about uh, people committing suicide as Christians. There was quite a lot of controversy about it. Did you go to heaven or not? And it was, there was a lot of discussion about it. And one of the church leaders, after I'd done a talk like this, trying to teach on heaven, one of the church leaders stood up and said, that's not exactly what this church believes and then proclaimed what that church in particular believed at that time. Doesn't believe it anymore. Anyway, so he, he, and he said to me afterwards, 
He said, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I have to teach that. I said, but you don't believe it, do you? And he said, no. But if I don't teach it, people will commit suicide. Isn't it strange? Because of the pressure that they felt under as Christians. But the right attitude, you see, is Paul's not saying here, oh, it's better to be with Jesus so I'll commit suicide. He's saying, if the Lord continues to let me live, it's for a reason, and the reason will be wonderful. But if you're pressing me, I'm not sure what's better. You know, it'll be wonderful, but oh, to be with Jesus. Do you ever think like that? Oh, to be with Jesus. And so Paul's saying this. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Far better. You know, and you can say, oh, well, poor old Paul, you know, no wife and kids. He's, oh, poor old Paul, you know, a bit lonely on the road. No, no, he's saying to be with Christ is far better. Far better. And so we go to this place, the same as a thief, this place called paradise, this place where God is when we die. Now the question is, we've left our body behind and so we're going as spirit into this place, paradise, because our body's been left behind, hasn't it? Are you with me so far? Now the question is, what do we look like? Yeah? What do you look like in paradise? Are we all ghost-like spirits? Woo! And you bump into each other, if spirits can be said to bump. And hello. What is your name? (laughs) Or do we have some form of temporary body? It's got to be temporary because (coughs) there's coming a day when we will be changed. And our mortal body will put on immortality. And we'll be changed with a body like Jesus, the resurrection of the dead, when we'll get our new bodies, which will be like our old bodies, but immortal. And I'm jumping ahead several weeks. Sorry, whoever's preaching on that. And so what sort of body then is a transitional body? Or maybe we just float around as spirits. Well, the Bible is not clear on this, except that, for instance, 
in the Old Testament, Enoch is famous for what? Not dying, being taken up to God. Elijah is famous for a lot of things, but he's also famous for not dying and being with God. Do you remember the prophets said to Elisha, well, we've got to find his body, you know, taken up into heaven. No, 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 they said. We've got to go and find his body. Let's go find his body. And Elijah said, no, no, he was taken up into heaven. Anyway, they hunted for his body and didn't find it. What about the Mount of Transfiguration? There's Peter, James and John and Jesus and the cloud comes and descends. And there's, whoa! Peter sees Moses and Elijah. How did he know they were Moses and Elijah? If they just were, He knew they were Moses and Elijah because they had bodies and obviously long beards and little labels, conference labels, Transfiguration Conference, Elijah, from very long ago. Somehow, they were recognisable. And anyway, Jesus is there with a body, his resurrection body. He's the first fruits from the dead. It's because he's there in his body, this immortal body now, raised from the dead by God, still bearing the marks of the cross. This immortal body is in paradise. He's in heaven. So the first, the prototype of who we will be in the future is already there with a body that's recognisably him. And so from these things we can, we can suggest, that's all I'm doing, okay, don't panic, I'm just suggesting that our spirits are given temporary transitional bodies that a sort of halfway house between what we were and what we will be. Because paradise is a halfway house between what was and what will be. Paradise is leaving this sin-ridden earth and cosmos behind and going into the presence of God. But it's not the complete thing. It's not what uh, God is going to do finally. Okay. So we might have... A temporary body, mightn't we? Where we won't go. Just got time to tell you where you won't go. Okay? This is in case anyone's worried about this. You won't go to purgatory. Purgatory is a, is a Catholic church doctrine that is a doctrine developed in the Middle Ages, not from the Bible. Okay? So purgatory is not in the Bible, but it's in Catholic doctrine. Purgatory is a place where you are 
purged. That's why it's called purgatory, because you are purged of your remaining sin. When you die, you're not perfect. They'd work that one out. So when you die, you're not perfect. Because you've been living in a sin-ridden world and you've been living, hopefully, more and more sinless, but probably not completely sinless, don't you think? And so you die, and according to the Catholics, you then go to this place, purgatory, where you're, where you're punished for the remaining sin. It's like your leftover sins you get punished for. And then when you've finished being punished for those, you are let into heaven because you've purged yourself of these sins and you're let into heaven. It's a purifying process in order to enter heaven. That's purgatory in Catholic doctrine. The Catholics also added to it that you could, when you were on earth and before you died, you could buy your relatives time out of purgatory which was good news for the relatives if you believed it and so the Catholic Church received money in the Middle Ages and promised time out of purgatory why is it wrong? well you should all be shouting and yelling this really, why is it wrong? because Jesus has done it once for all time. This is the message of the book of Hebrews. The, the book of the Hebrews is just going on and on and on about this, that there were many sacrifices, but now in Jesus there is one sacrifice for everyone's sin for all time. What does Romans 8 say? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you go to paradise you will be in a position of no condemnation. Jesus is not going to say, what are you doing here? You know, you shouted at your son on your deathbed and said, don't waste my money in riotous living. You shall be punished for that. No. Because all my sin is taken on the cross, as Sam so eloquently told us earlier. All my sin. Everything. Absolutely everything. This is why Christians should be happy. We should be the happiest people on earth because every sin has gone. Every sin. Every sin you have made, every sin you will do can be forgiven. Will be forgiven when you confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins. Everything goes on the cross. You enter into paradise. There is therefore now no <coughs> condemnation. And Paul is even clear in Ephesians. He says, you're already seated with Christ. You're already with him in heavenly places. There is a transaction that has been made that is eternal, unchangeable, guaranteed, that you have no condemnation on you. But you can walk straight into the presence of God without fear. Hallelujah.
So what are we waiting for in the travel lodge, finally? We've booked our room. It's hopefully nicer than a travel lodge. What are we waiting for? Because we will be conscious of time. Because in Revelation it says that the saints under the throne of God say, how long, O Lord, will you let this go on? So they're conscious, not just of time, but they're conscious of a sin-filled world and trouble and pain in that world. How long, O Lord, are you going to let this go on for? Only the Lord knows who he loves in the future. We don't know how many more people yet to be born even. God is going to have in his kingdom. Jesus is going to die for. Jesus has already died. There are still people to reach out for salvation in him. And only God knows how many more he wants in his kingdom. And he holds back the end of time until he's ready. Until the full number is in the kingdom. Isn't that wonderful? And so we're waiting for that full number. Which is, of course why we should be ready with the first disciples who saw Jesus go up into glory and they were commissioned, now go. Now go into all the world. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. See people saved. Tell the world Jesus saves. Hebrews 2.13 says, Jesus will deliver all those who through fear of death subject to lifelong slavery. Without Jesus, you must fear death. With Jesus, well, it's far better that I go. Lord, we are so grateful Lord, we are so grateful. We can enjoy this life and look forward to the better. Lord, we don't know quite how that will work. So we trust you. We trust that what the Bible hints at will be true, that it will be far better in the new world than it is in this one be far better to be with you. So help us, Lord, to have that hope within us. Lord, we want to enjoy this life. We want to be Christians who smile. Lord, we want to be Christians who demonstrate the joy of the Lord being our strength. But we also want to be those who look forward to being in paradise. It's just the beginning.
not even the final destination. Amen. <laughs>